Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast episode 166. Glad to be here, Alex. <laughs> glad to be here. And Shane, I'm especially glad to be here because we just finished Pilates and now we're going to get into a spicy marg. Let me taste this. Now this marg has alcohol in it. Yeah, we uh, changed the game. And not only that, but we brought back... I mean, we went to the Latin store downtown and got the tagine or tahine glass rimmer. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it's tough. Is it too sour? Uh, I, I, to be honest, I've never known how to deal with a rimmer. Mm-hmm. This is the craziest rimmer in the world. So this is the exact rimmer you're supposed to have with a spicy margarita. Uh, I never know how to use a rimmer. Just drink it. So you just change your lip entry point each time? Well, if you like it. If you don't like it, you just keep drinking from the same spot where the rumor's gone. Same spot it is. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't seem like you like it. And I like spicy stuff, but this is not right, though. No, the rumor's just sour. The rumor's not spicy. The marg is spicy. Well, the rumor is disgusting. I'll say that. We're differing there. I'm obsessed. I actually can't drink this. I need Are you to- serious? I need to pour it in a different glass. Okay, wait. I got you. Well, cheers, Shane. Hope it takes the edge off. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, Shane, now I think we've unlocked a new hatred for you, the spicy tagine rimmer. But I wanted to start off by talking about fears, irrational fears, major fears. And I was thinking about this because some women that we had interviewed before on the podcast, the Scummy Mummies, they are super hilarious, but they just went, spent like two weeks hiking to Mount Everest base camp to try to break a Guinness world record for holding the world's highest gig, like on the the highest elevation. So they went and they did that. Now they're waiting to hear back from Guinness. But I have a thing, like every time I hear about Mount Everest, I can't stop myself, but search all the dead bodies that are on Everest and all the crazy things that happen there. And then I just get lost into a Mount Everest vortex for like two days where that's the only thing that I Google before bed, in the bathroom, waiting in line, whatever. And I know so many of the bodies now, but I was looking up the like the biggest Mount Everest deaths and there's like, you know, avalanches that'll kill 29 people in one day. And it terrifies me, but it doesn't make any sense because I'm never going to climb Mount Everest. Like that's not something I want to do. So I'd categorize it as an irrational fear. And I was curious if you had any. Yeah, I think that's all I have is irrational fears. I'm scared doing anything, leaving the house, um, (laughs) talking to people. I'm very scared talking to people. Um, So, yeah, I think social anxiety is an irrational fear because what's the worst that can happen? Um, What else? Getting killed in a car accident, plane crash. Plane's the safest way you can possibly travel, despite what you said. You said boat was. I not not just boat. I thought for sure it was ship. I thought it was ship, no, hands down. No, no, ship's not that safe. You're out, you're out at the sea, man. Those things flip over. But like and stuff. a steamer, like one of those big transport ships. No, nope, plane, safest way you can travel. And I am terrified. That's probably the least likely way to die is on a plane. And I think most people have that fear of like 
Like, I think it's common for, I won't say most people, because some people fly okay. Well, what I think is scary about a plane crash is that there's no surviving it. So it's like, you know, you get in a car accident, you know, there's a good chance that it's not going to be fatal. But with Tom a plane Hanks crash- Tom Hanks would like a word with you. <laughs> a smarter man would have said the man he played in that film. Sully? Sully. <laughs> That's the, the name of the film is real, his name. Real American hero, Shane. What's Sully's first name? Captain? Oh, Okay. Captain That's Sully. A, he, he was in the right line of work. Then. <laughs> Wait, yeah. did that plane go down because of a goose? Yeah. That's wild to me. See, the fact that a bird can take down a plane, mm-hmm. that does not seem to make sense. And that makes me feel very unsafe. Did you see the box cutter that bird had? <laughs> for a second, I was scanning my mind for the box cutter. But birds can be dangerous. I mean, we've seen the Fabio video. If you haven't seen the Fabio video... Google right now, like pause this. Google Fabio getting hit in the face by a seagull on a roller coaster. It's not a seagull. It's a what goose. It? It's a goose. Damn these geese. Yeah. And uh, much like Sully, it didn't take Fabio out. <laughs> didn't it like break his nose? He was all bloody. It busted his nose up. But mm-hmm. much like Sully, you know, damaged but not broken. He rallied. It's okay. I have two more irrational fears. Let's hear them. And I like talking about them because they make me feel a little bit better. Usually they just stay in the dark parts of my brain. But one is crocodiles slash alligators. And I say the slash because I I can't tell the difference between crocodiles and alligators. I don't know the difference. That's a rational fear, though. I have nightmares about them for the last – I've been having nightmares about them for the last 15, 20 years. Like really intense nightmares. And then – If you're in Florida, that's a rational fear. Maybe walking around Hamilton – irrational (laughs) but like i I have dreams that they're going to be at the cottage and then i'm always a little bit nervous in murky water even in canada that like what if a croco is in there you know what i mean we don't have crocos though do we we do not okay thank god rational fear and my last fear that i want to talk about you and i were recently turned on to an article i don't know if you read it uh but ai ai is terrifying And somebody had sent you an article and they're like, check this out. This is kind of freaky. And all these tech leaders, basically, including like Elon Musk and I don't know, all the other guys. He's one of the only names I know. But they're all saying, don't like, let's do a six month pause on AI. And they're trying to get developers to stop developing AI. I said AI before. Uh, And they're trying to get the developers to stop developing AI because they think that we're coming to a really scary point in which we won't be able to manage the AI. And they said that this can only end in what? Total human annihilation? Yeah. I guess it's the theory that anything can happen, will happen. And once you get these things so smart, then they start having consciousness. Then they realize they're smarter than us. And then they start treating us the way we treat animals. They eat us for food. Well, they don't even need to. They probably just want to kill us because we'd be its closest threat to its, its demise. Couldn't somebody just pull the plug? They, they're so smart. They think ahead of you. They, they would figure out ways where you can't pull the plug. And see, what's scary to me about this, right? So all these tech leaders are like, we need to put a six-month pause on AI. But then you know there's going to be some greedy, angry, villain-esque type person who's like, oh, this is our chance to step in and make all the money. And they're going to push it too far when everybody else is taking the pause. And then that AI is going to set off the nukes. It's only a matter of time. But I don't even think 
because that was my first thought, nuke-related, the AI is going to figure it out. But I think a physical key needs to turn the nukes. But in there's a world where the AI becomes physical and they figure out how to turn the keys. But the articles lends it, to, like leads us to believe that the AI is like physically going to like kill us all somehow. Terminator style, right? Terminator where they just create yeah. their own robots. Okay, so I want to ask you, what do you think is more probable um, in the foreseeable future? Do you think it goes her style AI with Joaquin Phoenix where like people develop relationships with the AI and it's super smart that it can totally be your companion? Or do you think we skip that and go closer to a terminal Terminator style AI takedown? You can't just jump from nothing to Terminator. It would have to be friendly. So do you think the Scarlett Johansson AI in her, do you think she turns into the Terminator type? Because remember at the end of the movie, and if you haven't seen it, it's a really good one. They say, oh, all the AI things, we're all going to go do our own thing for a bit. We don't like being used by humans. And then they turn evil. Is that what happens at the end of her? Well, they don't turn evil, but they say they're going to go and like leave. And then no, he's just left with nobody. Movie. Good memory. Um, yeah. I, I. What's the question? Sorry. Like, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is the most realistic thing to happen for it's us? It's like a, a marriage. First, it, like, you know how they say the most dangerous or the most likely person to kill you is your husband? Mm -hmm. So it starts out all friendly. Then you're in love and you go through that phase and then you start arguing a little bit. Then it kills you. <laughs> That's what I think the phase, like AI, you go through that same phase. Okay, you watch a lot of murder shows. Do you think that... So I know that's for women, the most likely person. Murder shows. You used to when we first started dating, you'd fall asleep to the Dateline. Okay, yeah, I, I like interrogation videos. Don't mix. Up. <laughs> I I do like watching serial killers being interrogated. <laughs> okay, so you might know this because this kind of stuff terrifies me now. I was able to watch it a little bit before, but so if the most likely person to kill a wife is the husband, is the most likely person to kill a husband the wife? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Woman in this case, yeah. You no, know, it's funny. I Somebody commented on one of my videos this week or last week on Instagram, and they're like, oh, man, it, uh, what is it? Men getting into a marriage today, it's just not worth the risk. And uh, somebody was like, oh, what risk? And I, I deleted his comment eventually because he started getting into some crazy stuff, but he murder was one of the things that he listed. He's like, finances, murder, can't be with lots of women. And I'm like, well, that could, does defeat the purpose of marriage. And uh, it was probably some like 18 year old, you know? Yeah. But that's why he's saying he doesn't want to get married. Valid. And oh my God, Shane, speaking of fear. So when the kids were newborns, right? I would have every night leading like dusk, when dusk would fall, I'd start to feel this anxiety in my tummy. And I get this total fear of bedtime. And I get it now when Lucy has a night where like she'll wake up in the middle of the night and it'll be awful and I don't get any sleep. I'll have it the following night. And that that's typical. But lately, it's it's I have the fear not of the nighttime, but of the bedtime because it has been really difficult with Lou lately. She turns into a different person at bedtime. She turns into somebody who has no patience, who doesn't even want to speak English, who does not want to play nice with me. 
And it's been so trying. And thank God you're home. Like tonight, we're coming off the weekend. You've been home with me. And it's honestly so much easier because I know the next three nights, that's kind of when I feel that fear coming in when I'm doing both kids and Lucy just wants to fight with me at bedtime. So we got to switch it. We got to switch the bedtime routine. I don't know how. I've been trying to research places to start, but it's difficult. And I want your take. Like, where do you think we're going wrong? I have no idea. I'm I'm shocked at how hard it is to put the kids to bed. Like Betty's no peach either. I know you're saying Lucy, yeah. but Betty's routine is arguably longer and more annoying than Lucy's. <laughs> there's just so much to it. It's like a two and a half hour routine. And there's all these baby whispers for newborns and like very small kids. But how come it's not talked about enough? Like two to four, uh, like I, I don't know, probably five, six, seven, eight is just as hard if not harder like just getting them to sleep it's so chaotic it is so chaotic and i've seen like i've seen sleep specialists every now and then you know say oh well we can help toddlers but it's like when it's when there's a toddler there could be so many other issues at play so how can you really it's so far beyond just a parent like following wake windows and stuff and putting the kid to bed but it really is so stressful and it takes up so much of our night and like Folks, Shane and I do all of our work after the kids go to bed. We get our time together after the kids go to bed. If we want to get the dishes in the sink, that happens after the kids go to bed. But if they're not going to bed until 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, which was Lucy yesterday, we're screwed. Yeah, and- you know how they say sleep when the kids sleep? Yeah. We're doing that because the kids are going to bed at 10 p.m. And so are we. <laughs> it's totally unintentional. But, okay, if you recall... I, I know the exact point that everything went to shit for bedtime. Tell, tell me. It was daylight savings time last spring, spring 2022. That's when it all went to hell because we had the kids in bed at 6, asleep by 6.37, asleep every single night until daylight savings time last spring. And then they got thrown off by that. It was made worse by us being on the show and then school and everything. And now it is just chaotic. It is so chaotic. And I tried to put on uh, a kid's meditation for Lucy tonight. It's like really beautiful. I got this whole app. And she goes, I don't want to listen to this silly meditation. And I was like, but Lucy, you like meditating. And she does. And she was like, yeah, but this one is just silly. And it's all her favorite things. Like it's talking about fairies and castles and princesses. It's literally tailored for Lucy. And she just gets in such an angry mood. It's like she's a 13-year-old teenager hitting puberty. Like, that's what she turns into at night. Do you remember ever being like that when you were young? No. Jeez. I, I was very uh, calm. Same. I do not. I'll ask my parents, but I do not remember being like this at bedtime. I, in my memory, loved bedtimes. It was the time where you got cozy, you got snuggles, you got to drift away to slumberland. It was nice. I would sneak downstairs a lot, though. Yeah, I did that, too. We we talked about this because I yeah. remember sneaking down in our old house and hiding behind a rocking chair while my parents were on the couch and they were watching X-Files. And I remember watching a whole episode of X-Files hiding behind this it rocking chair. feels the chair. best. Nothing's <laughs> cooler than doing that. If you're, It's the closest you can be to like a secret agent or something. Yes. And they didn't even know I was there. I ran back to my yeah, room. Yeah, that's what I did. It was so fun. 
Yeah, my mom would, I must have been like six because sometimes she'd have like a new boyfriend. <laughs> and this is weird, but I just wanted to see like how they interacted and yeah. I don't know anything. And like, I never caught them like doing it or anything, <laughs> but just them like, and, and once they were, um, I remember they're watching like Reservoir Dogs or something. But wait, that came out in like 92. Oh, I, I guess it was nine. Yeah. I'm sneaking out when I'm nine. Yeah. See what my mom's doing. So you were, you were sneaking out. I mean, I think that's prime sneak out age. When you're nine? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought that would be too old. No way. Great. When you're nine years old, you're like, what, in grade two or three? Mm-hmm. You're still so little. Point is, Tiffany, I feel like, is more was more my sister. I feel like Lucy and her have similar, like, ah, genes. Like, kind of angry temper. Yeah. So I want to get on top of Lucy's now. Because mm-hmm. we really got to teach her how to chill out. And she wants to be chilled out. Like, she she really does. And she'll set up, like, she set up a whole um, system of centers for us in the house one day. Like, a couple weekends ago, she said she wanted to have a princess day. She wanted to make a party for the whole family. So she did, like, 10 centers around the house, like they have in kindergarten classrooms. Mm-hmm. And one was the meditation center. And you could go there and you could put on noise-canceling headphones and then sit there on a cushion and meditate. And she did that herself. Like, she's drawn to that kind of thing. Just not in the moments where she needs it the most, yeah. I think, which is really tricky. But this is just one of the things that kind of compounds. And as a parent or just human person that's trying to make it through each day alive, compounds and slowly makes you, I don't know, lose your sanity a little bit and really burns you out. Oh, yeah. I had a friend. I showed you this Instagram post. So my friend, who's not like a mommy blog or anything, but mm. she's she's a mom. And she just tearfully is talking to camera. And she's like, this is a vulnerable moment, but I have to say it. I love having kids, but I hate being a parent. She goes, "I like all the time, I hate being a parent. Mm-hmm. I like being a parent, but all the time, it's just, and she just breaks down and crying. And I looked at the time she posted it. Mm-hmm. So it, I I saw the post at 8 a.m. And she did the post at 8 p.m. So it was mm. bedtime. So I messaged and I was having these same thoughts because it was the longest I'd ever uh, been putting Betty down. And I'm just thinking the subtle like relentlessness of this. This isn't, you know, uh, so torturous, but just how relentless this subtle, very minor inconvenience yeah. is. It is torturous. It's just that like dull type of pain that lasts so long and you never know when it's going to end. And you just start thinking, I'm trapped in this till, you know, I don't know when. And I did feel like I don't want to be a parent right now. So I messaged her and I told her, I go, at the exact same moment you were posting that, I was feeling these exact same thoughts like, wow, it's just we're in it and we don't Mm -hmm. know when we're ever going to have a relaxing moment that we get to decide when it's a relaxing moment. Yeah. And you know what? So I felt that a ton, especially when the girls were newborns, because I like I couldn't escape, right? Especially that nighttime thing. I couldn't escape mm-hmm. it. And I very much felt that. However, Shane, if this is any, you know, consolation makes you feel better at all. Now that they're a little bit older, and even though they're in this really wild phase, just the fact that they're out of that newborn breastfeeding eight times a night, me getting 45 minutes of sleep a night phase, 
that alone seems like such a big win. And that really helped me put things in a perspective ever since then that everything yeah. is just a phase and you do get over it. And then you do look at it with rose color, rose colored glasses and you kind of miss it. You're like, oh, those snuggly days. But really, I was losing my mind and sobbing because I was so tired. But it it really did help it put that in perspective for me. Yeah, see, I never got it that bad for the breastfeeding days because you had the breasts and you were doing the feedings. Yeah. <laughs> so I just didn't know what, what was going on. It was hard. The hardest part would, I guess, you'd be more moody because mm-hmm. your lack of sleep can drive you nuts. So that was harder. But yeah, now I'm actually like experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of me feels uh, not vindicated, but maybe a little happy that you're feeling it a little bit. But at the same time, I don't want you to feel it because I didn't want to feel it when I was going through it. So I just, you know, it's just a phase. It's so hard. And uh, I got your back. But it's funny because it's one of those little things, right, that just grinds on you in the overarching chaos of life. And you and I were laying in bed the other day and we were talking. It was like in the middle of the day and we were both tired and we were just trying to get so much done. And we just took like a five-second recuperation break. And we started laughing because you said, you're like, there's just so much little shit. And it's like, yeah, there is. There's so much little shit in our life. And bedtime is one of them that compounds to make us feel like we're losing our sanity or burning out. So I want to ask, first of all, we'll get the hard part of the way. What's the little shit that's on your mind right now? Okay. Uh, I don't know how to define little, but I guess little in the grand scheme of things is I have a show, a live show that I have to do at the Rivoli, get to do. I say have to do because it does feel like a burden, but after it's done and if it goes well, I'll say I got to do that cool thing. (laughs) Um, But it's on my mind because I have to make, I want to make it good. I am a bit of a sloppy perfectionist, I'll call myself. (laughs) And it's on my mind every second of the day. And it it is annoying that I have to do this thing and it's, Did I say this with Bruce McCullough? No, I was just going to say that. So it's a big deal, right? So because it's, uh, what do you call it? Like a a showcase? Would it be called a showcase for your TV show coming out? Um, To some extent, yeah. And it's with Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall. And this is like Shane grew up with him. Like the other people on the sketch show. (laughs) I grew up watching him. Watching him with Kids in the Hall. You know what I mean? And uh, so this is massive for them, right? And... It's so fantastic because Bruce invited them. He's like, hey, guys, let's go and do this. Let's pump up the show. Let's get your names out there, whatever, and have this fun night. But it is a huge undertaking. And it was funny because I saw a few of the other people involved on the weekend at a party. And they were like, oh, where's Shaney right now? And I go, oh, he's writing for the show that you guys are doing. It was a children's birthday party. (laughs) I wasn't missing out on much. (laughs) No. And... uh, I was like, how do you guys feel about it? And they were like, oh, you know, well, I'm, we're not going to worry about it yet. You know, we'll we'll wait until we see what's going on. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, man, they are so lax. And then I've got no, poor trust Shane me, at Mike's home. worrying about it, too. <laughs> Mike is not lax. Mike is taking it very seriously. And Bruce McCullough is actually Mike's, like, one of his idols growing up. Right. Like he had his albums, really looked up to him. He, he aligned with Bruce. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I, I want to... I don't want Mike to have a bad experience with this too. Like I don't want any of us to, but especially Mike because 
this is his guy, this is a great moment. And I think it will be. I have had very few moments live that have gone terribly for me. Right. So I feel like it's going to be a friendly audience uh, with a lot of like faces that are familiar and want to laugh. So I'm hoping they do that. <laughs> so if this is your partner's guy who he wouldn't want to get embarrassed in front of, who would be that ultimate person for you that if you were doing a live show, you wouldn't want to get embarrassed in front of? Oh, like Nathan Fielder would be bad if I was in front of him. I think he's awesome. Tim Robinson would be humiliating. Will Forte. Do you think, okay, especially Tim and Nathan, do you think that just being with them would screw you up because yeah. you're in awe? Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not good socially to say the least. I'm not good. <laughs> Neither are your idols though. Will Forte is probably cool. He's probably cool. But no, it's tricky. And Shane, that isn't little shit. Like it's little shit, like you said, mm. in the grand scheme of things. It's a little project. If we're looking at timelines, it's you know, you've had a month to prepare and whatnot from when you found out to when the show is. So that's all it's all really tough. I was trying to think about the little stuff in my life. And it's all this, like it's the podcast and working on this to make it better. And, you know, we've got things coming around the shoot. What do you say? Coming around the shoot? That, that's the expression. I'll, actually, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we got things coming around the shoot. What's the shoot? Like coming what up shoot? next. I don't know. The, shoot, coming up the next? shoot that spits things out to give you. Oh, the shoot. Is it like the like. Um, it's like the life shoot. Like Yeah, whoop. like the male shoot, like thump. Like that yeah. type of shoot. I thought you meant like filming shoot. No, like here's something new. It's good. Yeah, something's coming down the shoot. Got you. Right. That's like, yeah, like what those old laundry hampers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, uh, we got Disney coming up in a couple weeks. I'm nervous. And that's another thing. So excited for it. Nervous for it. Because, you know, traveling with kids and in-laws and I mean, my parents, your in-laws. And you know, just making cool content when we're there. And all of that takes a lot of prep and a lot of mental prep as well. Wait, are you more nervous traveling with your parents or in-laws? In-laws. Right, yeah. My parents I'm very comfortable with. Well, yeah, well, yeah. And I'm very comfortable with in-laws too. But you, made, you made it seem like you were nervous though. No, it's just because I always feel like I want to make everybody happy, like my parents mm -hmm. and then you, and I just want to make, but you get along with my parents so well. So that can yeah. be classified as an irrational feel, fear as well. Mm -hmm. Why not? But Shane, on our last podcast, we spoke about a wedding, Real Miss Blondie, Stephanie, big time listener. She got married over the weekend, April 2nd. We wished her, hey, happy wedding, whatever. And then it had me looking back at our wedding photos. And they're ridiculous. So we got married at my parents' house. We have a big poster-sized picture in our bedroom of our bed uh, of my parents' house with a, what, 30-foot-tall inflatable gorilla. Yes, he's holding a sign that says Shane is bananas for Alex. Great wedding hashtag. And it was phenomenal. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, weddings are tough. They are so stressful. They are so beautiful. They're, you hit every emotion. So I want to know for you, most stressful moment, best moment of our wedding day. <clears throat> most stressful is just preparing for a stupid speech. It, just because I looked at it like the live show where it's hanging around my head. I always want to make things too good. And they can be too good. Like you don't, like why are you killing yourself? And it's just so uncool that it's one that, like it's a regret of mine. Um, but yeah, and what, what's the other thing? What's the, the best the, part? The best part? 
I think after the speech because <laughs> yeah. I was so worried about it. Then once it was over that I just felt great. Yeah. Okay. So my worst part, most stressful part is the exact same. It was Shane's speech. And it should have been my own speech because I did zero <laughs> prep and my speech was terrible oh because God, of that. Yeah. But it was you're, so bad. you're very uh, endearing. Oh, I don't know. And about a bad that. speech doesn't have to be good I was to be hit, good. <laughs> I was hitting Shane's button, calling him sexy in front of everybody because I didn't even know what else to say. Yeah. Other than just, I love everybody. Thank you for being here. It was just one of those. Well, you, know? you had to follow like a stupidly good. Like long speech. Yours. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was so good. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. So Shane is stressing about his speech, right? So it's like, even if I wanted to, to do a good speech, I don't even know if I'd have time because we were practicing no. for yours. Y yeah. It, when it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's odd, like practicing a speech with the bride. It's like, it should be a surprise, right? But well, you save you saved things I, about me. I did me. save, yes. I yeah. did save things about you. But I remember I ran it by you. And I go, what do you think of this? And you're just like, I don't know. I wouldn't <laughs> Like, you're usually such a good liar. And you're just like, it's good. And I think you've learned to just tell me, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But you were kind of negative about my speech. And it just got me so riled i'm like now i'm going to make it the best because you were telling me things i shouldn't say about my parents i'm like thought, no they'll love that i thought you were gonna be offensive i thought it was they were like no, not offensive things but i thought his parents might take them offensively Get, granted okay i didn't know your parents that well because by the time we got married we had mm -hmm. only been dating for a year yeah my mom was offended but for reasons <laughs> for reasons you wouldn't think she was kind of offended because she thought that uh my stepmom got like was too got too good of a part <laughs> what like with her speech yeah it's not like the th she thought the things i said about my stepmom roseanne weren't true oh, she just thought roseanne got a little bit more love than she did oh i thought the love was pretty equal yeah i don't know i know roseanne did have a good part but point is what a waste of time. Like, that was just a stupid amount of prep. Unnecessary. I say, if you're giving a speech, keep it short, to the point, short Can, and sweet, you know? I need to say also, I got hammered on our wedding night because... Shane and I missed dinner because the second we got married, did the whole kiss, we walked away from, you know, the crowd and the mm -hmm. pastor holding hands right up to my old teenage bedroom so he could practice his speech while everybody else ate dinner. So then we started drinking on an empty stomach. Yeah. That was that what, was I didn't I didn't eat dinner. I ate dinner. Yeah, I brought you up a little plate and we shared it. Oh, okay. We shared like some cornbread. Like we did barbecue style. So we shared a piece of cornbread and some chicken. And we were one of the first of our <laughs> friends to get married. So I didn't know protocol. <laughs> I had my huge ass phone in my pocket the whole time. And my our for wedding. For all his pictures. For, our wedding photographer was new. So he every picture, he didn't tell me to take out my big ass phone. So my big ass phone is in 98% of the photos. Um, also my pants, I, I, since we didn't know how, how to buy wedding clothing, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt and blue pants that are a size too small for me. Well, that's why I kept talking about your butt during my speech. It was very nicely cupped. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they, it's not the type of wedding photos I think I'm going to go back to and be like, that's when I look my best, kids. <laughs> We'll go back to them. We'll have a lot of fun, though, showing them off. I think yeah. it's hilarious. But yeah, no, my, so my most stressful was your speech, 
the best was either the morning we got married because we woke up together. We went to our favorite coffee shop. They gave us a free coffee because it was our wedding day. Yes, that was nice. Relay coffee. Love relay coffee, by the way. If you're in Hamilton, go there. And it was just so sweet. And it was such a stress-free, nice morning that we had together. And then the second Shane was done speech. Again, amazing. We just had bartenders walking around with hundreds of vodka shots on platters and a dance party that lasted in my parents' living room until 4 a.m. because we had the wedding at their house. It was amazing. Your brother was the wedding band. Yep. And uh, we had beer where you could just get it yourself and a bunch of coolers. Same with wine. That was good, yes. We had a wine station. So it was pour your own wine, grab your own beer, and then the bartenders were there. We had three bartenders just making mixed drinks. So nobody had to wait longer than like three minutes for a drink. Yeah, it was very fun. Anyway, Shane, I say at this point, we get to the questions. No, Alex, I told you I wanted to talk about Jesse Crookshank. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Tell me. Okay, so. So right before we went to record, I went on Instagram Reels because, you know, I can't have a second in my own mind where I think (laughs) an original thought. Any second of boredom is just like, oh, what, what can my mind be filled with? And Jesse Crookshank is talk she smuggled something across the mexican border what? because okay so jesse crushing i'm always used to her being kind of funny and she is being kind of funny mm-hmm. but she's actually kind of breaks down and like starts crying a little bit it's weird real she's, tears like real real for sure okay. she's like um she's like guys i'm i just i'm i'm in mexico for work i was just rejected from taking my breast milk across the uh, border oh. into the plane. They, and then they cut to a clip and she asked this guy like, I can't take my breast milk. And he's like, no. So she's like, I, I just like, as a mom, I have to refuse this. I have to do that. And, but it seems like a bit, cause I'm so used to her being funny, but yeah. then she kind of like, just like breaks down a little bit. And she's like, and I just, I don't even know if my kids need the milk, but as a principal, it's breast milk and it's important. Yeah. And she puts it in Ziploc bags. And then she's like, well, now I'm having it milky implants or whatever. And she puts the, <gasps> oh, in Ziploc bags, the milk and puts them into her, her shows them putting them into her bra. Mm-hmm. So they're like implants. And she got away with it. She crossed the border. But this clip was up for, I think, 13 minutes before we recorded and already had like it's gonna get like millions and this is gonna go viral but it got me so pumped no pun intended (laughs) but i was like yeah like that's awesome felt very i don't know badass as badass mom but also i'm more i want to see how many views it has right now. i'm honestly while you're checking that i'm perplexed that any nation would have it as a rule that they can't take breast milk. And I want to know more about that backstory because... Uh, maybe it was too many milliliters or something. Okay, let me see. Okay. And it's 26,000 right now. Wait, and it's been up for an hour. Has 201 comments already. In her caption, does it say anything about the reason she was rejected? Uh, when four male security guards told me to dump five ounces of breast milk that I had pumped while away from my baby. So I put it back where it came from to take it home to her anyways. I know it's wrong, but in that moment I would not accept some rule made by men that violates the most basic rights and needs of mothers. I don't make the rules, but this one had to change. Gentlemen, this one has to change. 
Yeah. Um, so that makes it seem like you can't bring anything on an airplane. But I that it was was she at the security line when she got told no? Anyway, let's see here. That's Wait wild. Because if it is escorted out of the security checkpoint at the Mexican <gasps> airport because I refused to dump the breast milk that I pumped for my baby. Wow. You're telling me I have to dump this out? Yes. Okay. They want me to dump my milk. I realize Romy doesn't necessarily need my milk, but it is on principle. I will not dump breast milk, but I worked hard to come for my baby. And so I know this is like not what you should do at an international airport, um, but I poured it into plastic bags, and I'm just going to get little implants for going through security. Wow. So she's got an upper, upper bra. 30 minutes later, it says. Now she's showing herself in the plane a little bit wet with the booby milk in the brazier. <laughs> no, it felt good. That's a, that's a solid reel. I'm jealous of that content. That's amazing. But <laughs> it, it is so infuriating that that could be a rule anywhere. Like, did they, was there, I wonder, miscommunication? Because it, it boggles my mind well, that I think that they, wouldn't be allowed. Maybe it could be C4 to them. What's C4? It's an explosive. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is wild. I'm, that's amazing. Yeah. Good for her. Cool. I'd be too uh, chicken-ess to be able to do that, I think. Well, who knows? If it goes super viral, I wonder if she could face any ramifications. I got- Obviously, ultimately, it it's awesome for her if it does. I got held up at the Mexican border once. For what? Nothing. They just pulled me for a random security check and kept me for three hours. And I was sobbing in a holding cell. It wasn't like a whole, it was like a principal's office, but it was all white brick. Like it was in between a principal's office and a jail cell. Hmm. Not and- quite the cool story that Jesse had, but I like that you're trying to compete <laughs> with it right now. I'm not, I'm not. I'm saying I, I got a- held back. For nothing. They just needed to do a random check on me, and I sobbed my ass off. I, I cried so you hard. You cry anytime anyone of authority says anything to you. Well, it's terrifying, and I hate getting in trouble. Oh, I know. But Shane, with that, I say let's go to the questions. Okay. But before we do that, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. This episode is supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make, I'm telling you, the best basics for your littles. These are fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfortable, and timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes. And a huge reason to celebrate, Mini Miosh now has a women's collection. This is called the MN West Collection. It's simple French terry clothing made ethically and sustainably like everything else you love from Mini Miosh. They're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it, and they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US. It is one use per customer, so make sure you load up your car. You will not regret this. Again, that is minimiosh.com and ThisFamilyTree15. But we are also supported by... 
We are supported by the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is, folks, the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor that I have personally ever come across. Yes, it's uh, military precision. <laughs> it is. And what Shane means by military precision is that they use this thing called sensor fusion technology. That means that there's no physical contact made with your baby to monitor their vitals and their breathing and nursery conditions. Whereas other smart monitors, like they make your baby wear a special sock or a... It's got to be annoying for the baby with those other monitors. It's got to be annoying for the parent too, because the baby's probably trying to rip it all off all the time. Oh, and you got to put it on oh it's the worst but miku is the best and it works with your phone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions and it also features shane crypto security what's that mean sorry hackers you can't spy on my baby while they're sleeping I don't know what hackers do to get in monitors or what they do to get in monitors or why they do it, but with the Miku, you can rest assured knowing that a hacker is not going to get into it because, again, with that military-grade technology, guys, I can't explain it. But the monitor also offers HD video and photo, so clear, and great night vision. There are also custom dual Ole Wolf speakers and a two-way microphone, which means that Miku not only plays original sleep sounds and lullabies, Durban and Moonlight is the best one, by the way. Durban? Durban, like the city in uh, South Africa. Got you. <laughs> but allows you to talk to and comfort your baby. You can get this at mikucare.com. And if you use the promo code FAMILYTREE10, you're getting 10% off. This is for people in the US only. So sorry. But again, that is mikucare.com and FAMILYTREE10. But we are also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprint over the last, what, year and a half? Oh, yeah. We're the best. We're like a young Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> we're really trying. But one way we're doing this is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. Because with two kids and two of us who are, you know, by four, yeah, no total. means type A, it adds up. And it gets really tricky. So we discovered True Earth laundry detergent a year and a half ago, and we have not looked back. This detergent comes in pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart and toss in your washer. It is so easy. Tosh? Toss in your washer. That's not what you said. But the best part, Shane. Yeah. What is it? The best part is. No plastic. Yes. Get those jugs out of here. The packaging is compact. It's drastically changed the tidiness of our laundry room, for one thing. It's like Taj Mahal in there. <laughs> but as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we usually opt for the baby detergent. It's fragrance-free, gentle on everyone's skin, and it's still so tough on dirt. Our clothes come out smelling amazing and crispy clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree to get 10% off your order. And this 10% will go to a one-time order or it'll go to an entire subscription. And it can be used for their laundry detergent, their dishwasher detergent, or their many cleaning products, which are all like so phenomenal. You will love this product. Take our word for it. Again, that is true.earth and this family tree 10. And now let's get to the mailbag segment, Shane. So this is where you listeners, you write in on Instagram, you give me topics, you give us questions. And we truly love, by the way, reading everything that you have for us each week. It gives us a chance to connect, get to know each other. And it gives us topics that we don't have to work too hard for. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> All right, Shady Boy, are you ready? Yep. Okay, first topic. Free bleeding. 
I didn't know women did this. Is this common? Is this a new practice? Shane, do you know what free bleeding is? I believe it's in the same category. It's like flat earthers. There's very few of them, but the ones that there are are very <laughs> notable. So they're women, I think, who don't use any coverage on their period, like tampons or anything. So they just bleed yes. in public. So I'm, I'm assuming that this is referring to a moment of like free bleeders by choice because obviously there are women in the world who free bleed not by choice and i did grab a stat because we had the owner of rhythm period care she came on not long ago and talked about period poverty and over 14 percent of college-age women in the u.s have faced period poverty in the last year which means they could not afford tampons or pads So had to essentially free bleed or come up with their own kind of solutions. But free bleeding in this sense, I'm assuming, refers to the women who just do it as what? Like an act of resistance or because it feels good, whatever. (laughs) I don't think it feels good. I think an act of resistance. (laughs) Well, no, I was reading up on it. And some people were saying that it feels because you get less cramps because you don't have something in there, right? Oh, having, having something in there gives you cramps? Yeah, it makes my cramps worse. Oh, okay. Anyway, I was just thinking about how much freaking money it would cost me. So somebody, I saw a comment and somebody was like, oh, it's saving you money because you don't have to buy period products. But I'm sorry, are you not losing money on all of the new pants and underwear you have to buy because everything is just blood soaked? Maybe they live in a nudist colony. (laughs) Maybe, but then do you not have to like replace every bedspread and chair you sit on and like what do you bleed throughout the night you bleed throughout the night so like if i if i get my period chain and i'm like during the night and i'm not prepared for it our like i will have to do stain treatments on our how many times does that happen a year many i don't know oh it does you never tell me about this well because there's shame and stigma attached to it it's like you know what i mean start telling me (laughs) i can get you to do the stain treatments i'll do anything i'm told but yeah, uh, uh, there's a small movement of women who like to do it for whatever reason. I honestly wouldn't be able to. I'd just be so uncomfortable all day because I, I wouldn't want to feel like wet. And I wouldn't want to ruin all the clothing I had. I wonder if they're free bleeding all the time. Like I bet you when they're hanging with fellow free bleeders they are <laughs> and when they have a conference <laughs> – But I bet you when they're home, they're like, okay, let's cut the bullshit. Let's get on like a tampon. (laughs) You know, a lot of things are social constructs. Yes. I did see a free bleeder running a marathon. Pictures of her. Was was she bleeding at the time? Yes. Wow. Yeah. But again, that just seems like. She's wearing pants and bleeding. Mm -hmm. But it just seems like it's not worth the discomfort because you're going to be wet. You're running. You're going to be sweaty anyway. Why would you want that extra wetness? For the publicity, though, a marathon's the best place to be free bleeding. I guess. But the other thing is like running pants cost. If you're getting a good pair of running pants, they cost a lot of money. I don't think free bleeders are buying expensive running pants. Shane, she's running marathons. If you're a marathon runner, you're probably going to get decent running pants. Yes. For every time you're not free bleeding (laughs) if you're free bleeding like all the time then yeah i guess you'd ruin a good pair but you women only bleed what how many days a month ah between three and seven that's crazy that happens but isn't that crazy that happens i know but i think you just use the expensive pants for the three weeks you're not bleeding and then you put on the byway pair (laughs) 
<laughs> Shane is referencing a defunct Canadian superstore right now. If you don't know what Byway is, I don't want you listening to this podcast. <laughs> we just lost three quarters of our listenership. Uh-oh. Okay, next question. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis are not leaving their kids any of their inheritance. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, I want to start this off by saying, by saying, Shane, what do you think their net worth is as a couple? Worth okay, punked better bus every show. I'm gonna say 102 million. So their net worth, as I found online, is 275 mil. They are worth a lot of clams. And they're not going to leave any to their kids is what they're saying. So Kutcher did make a comment. He said, well, look, if one of my kids wants to start a business and they have a good business plan, I will invest. But other than that, we're giving everything to charity. So it's basically like your parents are rich. You are not. However, I mean. They're, that, that's, they're, that's not happening. I assume. I don't think it's happening either. If their kid needs a house, I'm pretty sure that with that kind of money, they're going to ensure that their kids have houses. They're going to give them hefty wedding gifts. And things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a virtue signal. Like, yes. that's not. That's what I thought. That's, this is totally what I thought. Because I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, there's no way. Because I I understand not wanting to, your kids to feel entitled and spoiled. But there's a difference between that and giving them a trust fund. And they never have to work a day in their life. And neither do five generations under them. Whatever. But. There's a difference between that and ensuring that they are taken care of regardless as they find their own path in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can shield people. I think so. Like, I mean, I, I even think like our- just, it's like when, when Ash and Kutcher and Mila Kunis die, like you'd like to think they'd live a long, healthy life and the kids are in their fifties. It's not like you're spoiling. Them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but I, I do think that obviously they did virtue sig- signal and that they're going to help them out and give them lots of stuff along the way. Because yeah. that, would, that would also honestly be so weird to me. Like if your parents are have hundreds of millions of dollars and just refuse to give you anything, it's like, nope, I went through college on my own. So are you. Like that would kind of that would be an asshole move. And they said they didn't want to make their kids assholes. But I think that's an asshole move. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it either. If I make it rich, yes, I will donate lots of charity, but I'm also leaving lots to my kids. Yeah, have them donate to charity if they want. <laughs> the kids are the charity. They're the charity yeah. cases. Uh, okay, next question. Workout wooing. Have you heard of that term? Nope. Okay, workout wooing. When you just go woo. Woo. People no. Mm. People are now going on first dates at the gym. Would you have liked that as a first date? No. No. Shane and I, I was so bad at Shane teaching me how to do things at the gym. And we were working out together a lot before our wedding. And it wasn't that good. We're working out together now, but it's in a different capacity. And I think we're also just much better at communicating those things and being patient with each other. I would say you have what i will call the teacher complex oh what is the teacher complex it's where i like to teach and don't like to be taught told anything but that's Um, baloney i am a lifelong learner shane what do you like learning i like what i as i said earlier i like learning about mount everest i like learning about where crocodiles live i like learning about the threats of ai 
From me, I mean. <laughs> you teach me a lot about work ethic and podcasts and how to communicate in business emails. You teach me lots of stuff, babe. By being on your ass 24... 24- <laughs> Alex, I, I, I wish everyone could know just how BS that statement is. Because I literally have to puppeteer her. Years of, of me like lectures uh, they're honestly i used to look at it as a a bad term when you'd say don't lecture me mm-hmm. but i'm a full lecturer with you now i need it sometimes sometimes all the time <laughs> you're f- free bleeding but i have learned a lot from you shane and that's the bottom line i've learned so much from you when it comes to business when it comes to editing things like that like i'm editing reels and stuff now and i learned a lot of that and a lot of how to plan shoots from you so thank you but maybe at the beginning of our relationship when we were going to the gym together no i thought you were working out wrong because my brother and my dad did it differently and they were the how men, did they do it I don't, they were the men in my life that i trusted at that point so i just told you not to go as fast <laughs> okay okay Sorry, I have to make a point here because Shane, so when we would work out together, listeners, when we were getting ready for our wedding, okay, we were trying to get buff and Shane was like, oh, Alex, you're going too fast when you're doing your bicep curls or when you're doing whatever, you know, you really got to go slow and let it, let let your body feel that burn and really work for it. And I have integrated that, Shane, into my routine, Mm -hmm. by the way. However, now at this point in our life, we've been this is our seventh year married and eighth year together. And we're doing Pilates every night now together. You go fast in Pilates. I'm terrible learner. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to just basically get my bearings. I'm not, honestly, help me. I'm offended. You're telling me now on air. I, I would love for you to tell me while I'm doing it. Pilates is the hardest thing for me. I'm an, I'm as a man, I would think men are way less flexible than women. And I would say for a man, I'm not flexible. Okay. So do you remember the other day where I was showing you how, like what it was like to keep your ribs tightened? Yeah. So that was, I was nervous to show you how to do that right. But I will show you because I- Why are you nervous? I don't know because I didn't want to be the know-it-all because I don't even know it all. I'm still learning, mm-hmm. but I knew that. Which and- exercise am I doing fast? Um, anytime we're doing like, what were you doing today? You're doing some leg stuff too fast. Like anytime we have to like move our legs, I think you need to let yourself feel it. Like today we were putting our leg behind and bringing it back in. And then she wanted us to do these like weird pushups, but then you got into like almost normal pushup mode, but she didn't want that. And then also your back needs to be straighter. For what? Anytime we're just sitting there, your back is rounded and it needs to be much straighter. Do you know what? I, I find a problem when we're doing the, because I, I knew a point when I was going fast, but that was because she tells you to keep your head down. Yeah, I know. And you so can't watch I'm the like, screen. How, how do I watch the fucking screen and know when to do it? So I was guessing when to do it. And sometimes I look at you, but, and I do often, I look at you instead of the screen because it's easier, but today i said no i'm gonna keep my head down so i was guessing when to do it so that when i was just doing that i was going fast when i was doing the push-ups uh faster (laughs) it's because i know how to do push-ups and i can do a lot of push-ups but it was a different kind of push-up she didn't want us to do a standard push-up she wanted us to this weird pilates push-up i was doing it that i was doing the pilates push-up no you put your legs out farther back 
No, I didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I was modifying it then. <laughs> Trust me, I felt out of anything we did today, yeah, the push-ups killed me. All right, that's good. As long this is the thing, as long as it killed you, that's what you want. You want to feel something, right? Yeah. No, that's good. But I but, am. But I am let me know because hey, I want to get better at Pilates. I'm. I want to take the beginners class for a year. A year. A year. Okay. I want to be a beginner for a year. Okay. I like slow learning and i'm a slow learner <laughs> <laughs> no it's good and and i will say shane that as much as i hated absolutely loathed you teaching me in the gym because i wanted to seem like i knew what i was doing i have always ever since then gone real slow with my workouts and really appreciated you telling me that 10 times over so oh, that's good thank you Next. Oh, it, but sorry, bringing it back to the question, would I like that as a first date? No. However, I do like the alternatives to alcohol dates. So like the bathhouse Shane and I have been going to, bathhouse itself just sounds like a funny first date, but they do like alcohol-free sauna and cold plunge nights at like nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. And I think yeah. that's a cool alternative to going out drinking and stuff like that for a first date. I know? did one of those classes. It was so cool and oh, fun and weird and we, it'd be very memorable if that was like your first date and you end up getting married or something it's it'd be awesome it's, yeah it's very uh it can be funny it can be emotional it's it's just whatever like your personality leans towards i love that. and i went through kind of everything because i was by myself too so at times i'm kind of laughing to myself but at times i'm getting like <laughs> sucked into the the world of it all yeah see okay so i haven't done a class so shane did and i was dying to hear how it was and i I was really excited but we have our first couples one this weekend we're not doing the couples class but we're gonna do it together however yes and one of the modalities is eye gazing so it's like we're gonna be doing breathing exercises while gazing into each other's eyes what does the word modality mean like the things that they use to facilitate the breath work session it's like a module. I guess so. I don't okay. I don't know. I, I, I'm just pretending to sound like I know what I mean, but hmm. it sounds cool. Speaking of first dates, this is the next question, by the way. What was your best first date and what was your worst first date? So you can talk about best first dates with other people other than me? No, this is what the person is asking. I never said I was going to say our first date, you dingus. I thought our first date was pretty fun. I scored. Get out of here. <laughs> No, I thought it was a good one. But okay, just give me worst first date because I don't want to hear about your best first date if it wasn't with me. Um, Worst first date. Okay, I've got two. My manager set me up with his nephew when I was working at this one bar and I felt kind of pressured to go on it because it was my manager saying, you have to go with my nephew. It was weird to begin with. And me and this guy had absolutely zero connection. But the worst part was is that he didn't get that we didn't have connection. So this guy is thinking that we're connecting and we're having a great time. And I just felt so sick to myself because I could see that. But I could tell that I'm like, he can't actually think that he likes me or that I mm-hmm. like him or that we're good for each other. We're terrible for each other. And but he wasn't like letting himself see that. He had probably been, and is what I think now, he had probably been on so many dates that he just was trying to force something to work. Yeah. And it wasn't working. And it was humiliating, 
I hated every second of it. I felt so uncomfortable and it was just, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. And then the other first date that was bad, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I took this Australian guy to the Cannes Film Festival. We got in to see a Marion Cotillard movie, Rust and Bone. Very cool experience. And just like the worst dude. So misogynistic, so gross, hate him. And I'm like, that was the coolest experience. I'm like, it makes me sad. I wish Shane was with me for that, you know? Yeah. So I talk about my worst yeah. first, first date. Um, yeah, maybe a situation like where I just my ego wanted the woman to like me or like yeah. us to seem connected. But then she she brought up how we weren't. <laughs> so you were like my date. Yeah, exactly. That That was... And I don't even think I liked her, but I wanted to be liked. <laughs> yeah. Because I was just like desperate to be, uh, you know, have an ego or something like f- like filled. And that she was so honest and that hurt. Honesty so that was is so worse. hard. Yeah. Oh, and oh, what, some. Yeah. I went on one girl. She was just so uh, she was like texting the whole time. And it was almost like one of those things where she just wanted the free meal that there was like, you know. Okay. Was it implied when you were going on dates, right? It's like right before we met, was it implied that you were paying? I would never not pay. I don't know. I don't know if it was implied. I can't even tell. Because I was never on the Tinder dating scene. And so I, I don't I think really it's implied, know. implied, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it's not, even if, you know, you're whatever and the woman is CEO of a company, I think it's not about the money. It's just about the gesture of being polite. I don't know. So is that what got you? Is that how I reeled you in is because I showed up to our date with some cold hard cash and bought a round of drinks? No, I didn't like that move. You I didn't, didn't like that? No. Alex showed up to the date with $20 bill in her hands. Guys, it was the only $20 bill I had. So you were holding it weird too. Because I was excited to still have $20 to my name. It was literally my last $20. Literally. Yeah, I know. And it felt like it was. <laughs> it didn't feel like you had money. I didn't. No, you just had a single $20 bill. And then it was like, oh, okay. I'm definitely buying everything else after this. <laughs> I still hosted the next date we went on, by the way. And it was a fantastic date. Do you remember that? I got berated by one of your students calling me a tool. You did? We were at Hutch's, the not the famous Hutch's, but the like. Hamel- Bayfront Park, yeah. yeah. And you got moonshine. Yeah, my, my best friend's uncle made me some free moonshine. So I brought that. It was blueberry flavored. Brought it in a flask. And then we got hamburgers from Hutch's, which cost me under 10 bucks. And then we went to that awesome bar and had a night with a couple on their first date. He's oh, dead is that now. That? I, I don't think he's dead. I think oh. he got he might be dead, but he got cancer. Alex, I'm sorry. It was awkward. I don't know what to do. It's just awkward. Sometimes I laugh in awkward situations because yeah, I don't know it was another person on a date, and we were at Baltimore House, right? And yes, they had, they had like kind of board games oh, there baltimore one, house is awesome one of hamilton's top three bars that have ever existed and then we started talking to the other couple and then he's like listen i have i work at a law firm across the street mm-hmm. went across the street and it had a bar there you know he's like i work at a law firm it's got an open bar we went to had some drinks at the bar and we went it had like a balcony there yeah, yeah. and there was just a beer fridge in um 
like a conference room. So it's we funny got, how that stuff can just happen. It's so weird. So weird. And that was a memorable Hamilton night. Like I had never been in that building until that night. And it was so fun. I wonder if they're still together. Well, I don't know if he's alive. Right. That's the first question. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think so. Well, on that they're together. Oh, okay. I was going to say on that morbid note, and I was still will say it, on that morbid note, I think we're going to call it a night. And folks, if you are listening, if you listen every week, if this is your first time listening, I don't care. I would just so appreciate it if you got in, slid into that comment section on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a little comment. Give us a five-star rating. We would really love you forever. And folks, I hope you have a great night. And thank you for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 166.